Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. February, so it's fitting, right? Um, it's the month of love and the oohs and the ahs and the cupids and the fat little angels and stuff like that. Um, that's not what we're talking about. But we're going to look at the book of, of 1 John chapter 4. And so if you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and turn there. This was a letter written by the Apostle John. Um, in in the, 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 he was the last living apostle, right? All the other disciples, Jesus' disciples, um, who were all later called apostles, have all died. And pretty much every single one of them, well, in, in fact, every one of them um, was martyred for their faith. They loved Jesus. They followed Jesus. Uh, they talked about Jesus, and, and they've all been killed for it. And John is the only one left. Actually, they attempted to kill John too. Uh, it, it's unconfirmed, but they say that they tried to boil John alive in, in, a, in, a, in a pot of oil. So they even tried to kill John. And so John speaks with this apostolic authority that he has. He, he's, he's up there in age at this point. And you'll see that he's very firm on his stance. He's an older gentleman, and he's, he's an overseer. He's planted churches, and he's overseeing them, and he doesn't have time to kind of just beat around the bush about things. He says it how it is, right? And so you'll see that today. And I pray that the, we take the weightiness of, of, of John's message and, and just let that sit, but also understand that he has that pastoral heart. So in his older age, he speaks with authority because things need to be said and he doesn't have much time to say the things that need to be said. But also at the end, he's also as loving as a, as a father. And, and he's really speaking so firmly because he cares so much. He wants, he wants people to just follow after Jesus and he wants, he wants to point people back to correct understanding, correct actions and, and follow after Jesus. Because how many of us know there's a lot of different things that pull us in a lot of different directions every single day. I just said I have six kids. They're pulling me in six different directions every single day. Work is pulling me in a direction. And then you, you put a phone in there, right, and you have Facebook and all that stuff, and it's pulling you in so many different directions. And John is trying to point us back, right? And John is very adamant about making sure that he is clear on what he says. John speaks, John speaks a little bit differently um, than some of the other guys, like, like, like Paul. Paul is very linear, okay? Paul wants to take you from here to there, right? Paul speaks a very A, B, C, and we're going to get you to Z. That's just how Paul speaks. John, he's more circular in talking. John's more like, we're going to talk about this, and then we're going to talk about this, 
and we're gonna, then we're going to talk about that, but what about this? And then, oh, hey, what about this? It's more like you're sitting around having a conversation with John, right? Like you could just imagine having some of these conversations over like a cup of coffee or something like that, right? So this morning I want to talk about the topic of love. So if you're taking notes, write this down. This is the title of my message this morning, that God is love. And if you're there in your Bibles, in, in uh, 1 John chapter 4, we'll start at verse 7. And what I'd actually like to do this morning is I'd like to read this whole chunk of passage. We're going to read verse 7 through 21, and, and then we'll dissect it. We'll unpack these verses for the rest of the time. And then, so I'm just believing God for big impact. And there's something amazing that happens. It's already happened. I could feel it in the service this morning when it was talking about dry bones rattling, right? I feel like God is calling us to wake up. You're dry. Let's, let's get the dust off of this dry bones that you are right now, and let's get back to life. And I feel like that's what he's saying to me this morning. Brandon, you've been put on a shelf, and you feel like you've been put on a shelf, right? And you haven't been used, even though I have been used. It's just how I'm feeling, right? And saying, guys, it's time to come back to life. You, you need to be used. And he's calling you and you to be used. It's your time to be used right now. The world needs you. God needs you to wake up and rattle and be used. But like I said, there's, there's, there's something about being in the presence of God and when we open the word of God and when we worship, um, God just tends to do things among us and among his people. So I've got huge expectations for his plans today. Hopefully you're there and we'll go ahead and start reading and then we'll read this chunk of passage and then we'll, then we'll pray. It says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is, this is love. Not that we loved, but that God loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, also, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given his, us his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges Jesus as the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. See the circular thing that I'm talking about. And so now we rely on the love of God. God has made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. We are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect and love. We love because God first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister who they have, 
who they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brothers and sisters. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be here today. God, I just pray that you would move in obvious and amazing ways today. God, I pray that you would work on the deep places in our lives. Maybe places that we don't expose to others or maybe don't even want to look at ourselves. But God, that you know everything about us and you love us. God, I pray that we would understand that more and that we would trust that more fully. And God, I pray that it would not be something that we just store up, but it's something that we share. God, that we would just not just understand you as the source and definition and, and example of love, God, but that our love would point people back to you. In Jesus' name. So that was a large chunk of scripture, right? And thank you guys for, <laughs> thank you guys for bearing with me. Uh, it's not always easy to read a big chunk of scripture to a, to, a, to a group. And hopefully you followed along and didn't space out. Um, like I said, what I'd like to do is now, if we just take our time and let's just unpack these verses into, into smaller bites and we'll do a couple verses here, a couple verses there, and maybe two or three at a time. But number one, if you're taking notes, is it's his to give. His to give. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who, who loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And we, we know that, that once we've accepted Jesus, that, that we are children of God. And if, if, if we've given our life to him, then we're God's children. And John's pretty firm, and he doesn't really say, like, you're a child of God or you're not. You know, earlier in, in his book, he says, you are a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Ooh, thanks a lot, John. He just draws this line. He makes this line and he doesn't give us this gray space that we love to live in as Christians, right? We kind of like to compare ourselves against each other or to this or to that to, compared to what we've done. Love is that we can look to God, but we say love is God and we say love is supreme. But then what we do is we try and define love and try to say that God has to come into alignment with what we think love is. So then people say, well, well, how could a loving God, right? But they know God is loving. And to see what love is, you have to look to God. You don't get to define what love is, and then God comes into alignment with what your idea of love is. God defines love, and you come in an alignment to what he says love is. Love is not God. God is love. He defines love. Love doesn't define him. Okay. So it's an attribute, it's a characteristic of, of who God is. 
He is the source, the definition, the example of what love is. Love doesn't fully define him. He defines it. And it's good for us to know that because regularly that's a statement that people use when there's something completely against God's word. People say, well, yeah, but isn't, isn't, God, isn't God loving and isn't it all about love? Yeah, it is. Your whole Bible, there's different languages throughout the world. If you want to order a cheeseburger, you, you, know, you do it in American. If you want to order some French toast, maybe you could do it in, in French or something like that. Or Chinese, you can do it in Chinese. When you read the Bible, the Bible is written in a language called love. It's love-ease. It's all about God, and he defines what it, what it looks like. This is the source, the highest definition, the example of love, the love that comes from God. He's the source. He is love. He's the definition. And, and we'll see this in a moment when, when these verses, they say this is what love is. It, it talks about Jesus, and we'll see that he's also the example. The reason that we know what love is is because of God. And that we as believers should be following after him and looking to him for the source of that definition. For the example, you know, fully dependent on him, God is love. Everyone who loves has been born out of this sin, right? You know, the reason, the reason that we love is because of God and that we as believers should be following after him and looking to him for the source, right? Matthew chapter 7. That's at the end of, of, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is preaching to everybody. And he's talking about what a false prophet is, true versus false prophets. And in this section, we're going to look at, your Bible might say um, true and false disciples, true and false prophets, right? But it's an interesting statement, and it hits heavy. It's a very heavy statement in Matthew 7 21 through 23 i don't think it's on your notes come back to second service it might be there by then um i didn't turn this into susan so it says this though not everyone who says to me lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does my will of my father who was in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name did we not drive out demons in your name, did we not perform many miracles in your name? This is the heavy part. Then I will plainly tell them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And that's scary, right? It says, many people will come to me on the day and say, Lord, Lord, we have, have we not prophesied in your name, done many miracles, and done all these works in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. And so what's going on there? What's going on there is we're not to know of God or know of Jesus. We're not to know of God or to know of Jesus, right? But we're to know God. And we are to know Jesus. The example that he's talking about is what we can, we can even get in, in church regularly as religious, right? We know about God. We know about Jesus. We know about what God says. And we know about what God thinks because we know about him. And we're doing what he says, right? 
There's a leadership guy. Maybe you guys, maybe you guys heard of him, uh, John Maxwell. And he's written a bunch of books that, quite a few of them that I've read. I like leadership books when I take that disc test or whatever leadership usually falls into where um, I align. And so I've read a lot of John Maxwell's leadership books. Um, he has Developing the Leader Within You, um, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, 360 Degree Leader, and then you know, I've, I've heard bits and pieces of a lot of other books and stuff that he's put out there. And I could, I could, I could put a lot of these things together and then put them in a, in a sermon and you would be like, wow, Brandon must know John, right? He sounds just like him. He talks just like him. You know, he, he uses everything that he says in his books. He must know the guy. And it's like being out at a restaurant and, you know, I'm trying to get in and I'm like, hey, I see John over there. And I'm like, hey, 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 you know, let me go say hi to John. He, he knows me, right? And you can be like, I don't know this fool. <laughs> I don't know this guy. So just because I have all this knowledge and stuff about him and can speak like him and, and read all of his books doesn't make him know me. It's like if I went to his house and was like, bing, bong. Actually, no, it probably wouldn't be like that. He has a lot of money. I'd probably be out at the gate somewhere uh, pushing a call button and then listening to a security guy. And I'm like, hey, is John inside? I just want to catch up with him and say hi. And, he, you know, the answer is going to come back. I don't know this guy. And what we can do if we're not careful is we can make Christianity about head knowledge, about knowing instead of the intimate relationship and the knowing in a relationship style. We have to be careful of that because sometimes what starts out as us knowing God turns real heady real fast. And it's not wrong to um, learn more about God and, and read the Bible and his word that he's given us to understand him better. But in the understanding of him, we're going to his word. We're going to him, right? We're not just saying words that we, we know because we know them. We're going to him because we know him. Hopefully you're still with me. All right. Away from me, you evildoers, he says. I never knew you. Away from me. Why are they evildoers? It's interesting because it seems like they're doing the right things, right? They're they're uh, driving out demons. They're, they're raising people from the dead. Um, they're doing a lot of, lot of miracles in his name. And here's where the evildoer part comes in. They're giving Jesus this laundry list of things that they have done. This is my list, God. I checked off this box, and I checked off this box, and I checked off this box. Now you're supposed to let me in because I've done all these things. See, the thing with a relationship with Jesus Christ is that we couldn't do it on our own, that we have to rely on him for everything, that it's not us doing anything, it's us doing it through him. We bring God down to a, a very, who was, God who was a very high view we bring God down to a very low view. And we bring our low view up to 
this level that it shouldn't be at, right? God is calling us up to his level. Because it's the work that he's done. And me relying on that and, and not the laundry list of, of things that I've come to Jesus with. Look at me. Look what I've done. It says, in the beginning, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Love is to be shared and not just stored. We'll get into that minute in a minute, but in verse 9 and 10, for you note takers out there, write down, this is love. This is number two. This is love. This is how God showed his love among us. It makes it very clear that this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him that we would receive life through him and that we would live this life through him. Sometimes we try that and, and there's no separation of the two. We're made alive in Christ and we're made alive to live. We're made alive to live through Christ and that it would transform the way that we do our every day. We might live through him, and this is love. Here it goes. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You're the word, the atoning sacrifice. There's a word that I usually mess up, and <laughs> it's called propitiation. Propitiation. I even wrote it here phonetically, proficiation. Maybe that's right. I had to write it down like that or I probably wouldn't have got it. We're going to talk about it here in just a moment. But this is love, that not that we love but God, but that he loved us and sent his son. God wasn't prompted to send Jesus because of our great love for him. But it was because of his great love for us. God didn't come into the world because he was like, oh man, all of these Grace Church people, they just, they're so awesome and they're so godly and stuff that they, they, they need me. He's seen us and he loved us so much that we needed him that he sent himself to us, right? The Bible says that while we were still sinners, while we were far away from God, God was prompted to send Jesus. The Father's prompt is in Jesus. Not out of our great love for him, but because of his great overwhelming love for us. In Romans 5, 6, this will be in second service too. It says it like this. You see at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. <laughs> I love that. I love this first line. I'm not sure who they are. Maybe possibly not in this room, but someone maybe could possibly die for somebody else. That's a, that's a good person. Very rarely will anybody even die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, maybe, maybe, possibly there to die but God demonstrates his own love for us in this 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that is awesome. It says that while you were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still sinners, not because you're so powerful and so godly and sinless, Christ died and came for the opposite. That when we were powerless, ungodly, he dies and gives us power and godliness and cleansing of all of our sins. It's the goodness of God, not the goodness of man that prompts God to move. And God shows what love is, that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Here's the example of propitiation for our sins. It means to appease or to make favorably inclined. So it's kind of two different things here that in Christ, the wrath to our sin was appeased and was dealt with and were made favorable with God. Okay. That's a good spot to say amen. That even in our junk, that God's seen us, seen our powerlessness and said, I'm going to go show them love. In fact, Jesus, the wrath of our sin is absorbed and appeased through Christ, and we are favorably inclined. We're put into a position of favor because of Jesus, that both of those simultaneously happen through Christ. And in the world, we don't even know how to do it, right? Tell me about it. Okay, I'll tell you about it. In Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, it says, Surely he took upon our pain and bore our suffering. Yea, we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Listen to this part. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Peace for us where punishment was due. Punishment on him where peace dwells. And by his wounds that we get to be healed. We are all like sheep, it says, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own ways. And the Lord has laid on him all of that to save us. God's love is amazing. And he endlessly shows mercy and grace that that mercy is undeserved. Forgiveness and grace is undeserved. So that we don't get what we deserve And we don't get what we don't deserve, or we get what we don't deserve, right? We get everlasting. We don't get death. That's what we deserve. But we get what we don't deserve. That's the love of God, right? We get his Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us every day that we live on this planet, and for eternity that we get to walk with God. That Jesus took all that junk and he gave us this gloriousness, and it's all because of the overflow of his love, because of his amazing, mind-boggling love that we really can't comprehend. And in fact, the level that we can comprehend, we still mess up. And when you start to understand God's love for you, it'll have you on your knees weeping 
And you know, if, if, if you've done this for a while, if you've, if you've done this walk with Jesus for a while, there's new revelation that happens all the time. Just the size of God's love and this new revelation. You could be in, in walking with him for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, and God will still reveal new things to you and show his love to you over and over again. What an awesome, amazing promise that is, is that we don't just get saved and we figure out how to love God and God loves us. And he's like, there you go. Hope it carries you through. But that even when I'm 80, God is saying, Joe, I love you. You're not 80. But he's revealing a new thing to you. Joe, you're not alone. I still love you. Joe, I want to show you this in my word. Come look at this. Continually revealing new things to us. Showing me a little bit more again and again and again. And we can get excited, you know, that we're, we're weeping about a little baby. I don't like to cry, but God's love will make me cry in a heartbeat. <laughs> when I think about how good he's been to me, and I didn't deserve it. I feel like I could end the service right there, but I'm not. <laughs> Point number three. Through love made complete. Verse 11 and 12, we've got to hurry. God, beloved, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Okay, so since God so loved us and in view of what we just talked about, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us now. So obviously we've just seen a new revelation of God. God is the full deity of God in, in Christ Jesus. The word became flesh and then dwelt among us. And what he's talking about has, has seen the father, the fullness. But the Bible tells us that God is the spirit. We know we don't see like that, And so what we understand is we don't see, okay, we don't look around and just see God, but we definitely see, we experience, right? And we can see God's love through his people, or at least we should. Listen, no one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And that means that we get to see God shining through somebody else. And we've seen God. We get to see the expressions and the example of God. Obviously, there's revelations of God that we have his word and he speaks through us and, and, and through us, right? But it's through our love for one another that we get to see God and that we get to be transformed. He lives in us. His love is made complete in us or perfected in us when we love each other. And that perfecting of love in us is through the action or application of love through us. I was gonna use this glass of water and maybe I will, but God loved us so much, right? He sees that we're empty and he loves us so much that he comes 
and he fills us up with his love. That's not quite full of water. We have two bottles because we only got baby bottles today. But he comes up and he fills us up with his love. But he doesn't expect us to leave it right there, right? God just doesn't come to fill us up with his love just to have love, right? He gives us love so that we can share it. We give it to other people. And God puts more in. Better drink some more of that. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says this, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children in the walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God's example of love is much beyond what our normal understanding of love is. In fact, I would even go out on a limb and to say oftentimes that we're doing things lovingly because it's we, because we love ourselves. And we're looking for a return on our actions, right? You find this in marriage a lot. Husbands, you know. When the wife comes home and the carpet's vacuumed and the dishes are done, the food is cooked, we're looking for a return on our actions, right? Ladies, don't pretend that you don't have somewhat of the same thing. But we're looking for a return on our investment. Oftentimes, it's much more rare than that, whether we just love to share love with someone, not looking for something in return, but that we would just love and sacrifice even for those that might not return it to us. Christ died for us just like that, for all of our sins, even while we were still sinners, it says. And what we do is we try to qualify who deserves love from us oftentimes. If somebody does us wrong or something that we don't like, then we're not going to extend love to them. And I go back to the marriage. When my spouse does something that I don't like, then I withhold my love. Right? Not Joe, though. Joe's a good man. Yeah, you can clap for him, Joe. These two right here, amazing people. Get to know them. But we try to hold back our love. We, we, we categorize it that they don't deserve our love. And, and, and oftentimes we don't deserve love, God's love either, but he still loves us, right? And that's the thing. That even though I'm mad at, at my spouse or she's mad at me that, that holding back that love isn't an option in our marriage, right? She'll tell me oftentimes, sometimes, I love you. There's no question that I love you. I don't like you all the time. <laughs> but I love you. <laughs> um, Jesus, you know, see, he loves in us. And you've heard... Pastor T talked about this several times, you know, in John. It says, to give us a new command that I give you, love one another as I have loved you. 
And this is Jesus saying this. So you must love one another by this, that everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, we tend to be easily offended. Not this church. But we tend to be easily offended people. And I don't know why it seems to happen more often in church, but it seems like we, we are more offended people inside of the church than we are outside of the church. We'll let things slide outside of the church. But inside the church, I don't know if it's we hold higher expectations or what, but it seems like we become very easily offended in church. And maybe that even offends you. You're like, ha, I, I'm offended. <laughs> That's okay. Right? We've got to glorify God. And God will allow something or someone in my life to test that. And if, if somebody says something or, or does something, I have to go back to God and remember that God loves me and love comes from God. And then in view of God's love for me, this is the way that I need to handle that situation. Not whether they deserve my love or not, but because God loved me and this is my, this is my ruler this is where I learned my definition of love from because he loves me. That's how I'm going to deal with you. Not out of my humanly love for you, right? Does that make sense? Number four. We rely on God's love. Verse 13 through 16, and this is how we know that we live in him and that he in us and he has given us his spirit. This is amazing and we have seen and testify John specifically as the last living apostle walked with Jesus through his whole entire earthly ministry for those three years he's he's, he's with him in all that time and has seen and, and, and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world and as a side note, real, real quick, 13, 14, it, it, you can see the trinity in there, the, the, the three parts of God. He's given us his spirit, and we see the Father and the Spirit and the Son. God loves God. God loves God. God was in perfect relationship with himself. And in a loving relationship as the triune God, as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's in a perfect relationship with himself. And he wasn't lonely. And out of loneliness created man, right? That wasn't it. You know, he didn't want somebody to hang out with. But it's out of the overflow love of God that he has for himself that God first and foremost loved himself, and then loved us, his people that he created in his image to experience his love and to give him glory. We kind of thought about it this way. God loves God. God loves people. People are called to love God, and people are called to love people. What really God is doing is transforming us into looking like him because he loves himself and he loves people. He wants us to look like him. He wants us to experience that love that he has for himself. Okay. So we've seen and testified that the Father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges 
that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and them in God. And so we know that and listen. And so we know that and rely on the love of God that he has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. I love this. And so we know that we rely on God for love. God has given us his love for his reliance and he's not the same as we have the love for him or that we have for others, right? God has everything for us, for our, our reliance is on the love that God has for us. So we're created to love, okay? Because of love, to live inside of love, whoever lives in God lives in love. You've heard John three sixteen, of course, right? All of us, we can recite it without even opening up our Bibles. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What does that mean? It means that whoever believes in God is not reliant on anything that you can do, okay? It's not reliant on what you've done or what you can do. It's reliant on the one that's done it for you. That's why any of us, it, it's not scaling. It's not like, like I said earlier, it's not all of these laundry list of things that we've done to make God love us. He loved us so much that he came to us in spite of the junk. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. We read 16 and we love 16 and we read 17 and that's okay, but we forget 18 a lot, verse 18. It sounds great to say he came not to save or, and not to condemn. Well, he didn't have to come to condemn. We were already condemned. And so that's good news. He didn't come to condemn us. We were already condemned, right? It's, it's like being on a ship that's going down and Jesus comes by and he gives us a lifeboat. We can get on the lifeboat or not, but the ship's already going down. And Jesus says, I'm here. Take this lifeboat. Get on and I'll take you to safety. 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18. Let's keep going. Whoa. My daughter said, Oh, you're preaching tomorrow. That means we'll probably be on time. <laughs> Little did you know, Kenna. Let me say this, and I'll make it make sense here in a minute. Like Jesus or like Jesus. Say that in your head. Like Jesus or like Jesus. It's really easy to like Jesus. And not be interested in being like Jesus. I think of like today, like the world we live in and the social media world. 
that we're so driven by likes. I read in an article, and they may have changed this since the article came out, but you guys remember selfie sticks? And they had these big wand things, and everybody was walking around talking about them like this. Well, they outlawed those in a few different places, Disneyland, um, the Roman Colosseum. I think a few people fell off the edge. Russia, and this one that makes the most sense to me, that Russia decided that selfie sticks don't fly in Mother Russia. Because I guess somebody had died trying to get a selfie with a moving train, and this person <laughs> went on to see Jesus, hopefully, um, trying to get that perfect picture. Um, but it's kind of that generation where we, we want to be liked. We want people to like what we're doing, and we want people to like who we are, Right? We're in an adoration generation that's fighting for likes, that wants likes, that chooses what we like. And Jesus, just as our kind of a far understanding of, of like the person, works of Jesus, it's kind of easy to scroll through and just like on the scroll by. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. It's good. I like that. But we don't want to become like Jesus. It goes back to Matthew 7 that we read earlier, that it's about knowing him and being made in Christ-like image. In fact, the word Christian came out of the worldly system, right? They were looking at the disciples and they were saying, these guys talk like Christ, they look like Christ, they behave like Christ. Let's call them Christians, because what does that word mean? Christ-like. That's why we're calling ourselves Christians today. If you're a Christian, we're trying to be Christ-like. That's the definition of it. And 1 John 4, 17 through 18 is this. This is how love is made complete among us. So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. There really is a day of judgment coming. So this is the way this is how love is made complete or perfected among us so that we will have a confidence on the day of judgment in this world that we are like Jesus. Well, that doesn't make me very confident because my image of Jesus is always like this long flowing hair and awesome beard. I have an okay beard, but I definitely don't have the long flowing locks, but... And I don't mean it because, you know, we walk on water, we tell waves to stop, and they stop, and we bring people back from the dead, and, and all that is awesome. I would love to be able to do that. And we pray for all of those things. We want to do all of those things, right? And we pray that God will work in these amazing ways through his people. And we always pray for healing and restoration and provision, and, and, and that's miraculous. But what I'm saying is, is that that you know what Christ did while he was here. He was completely in loving obedience with the Father's will, completely in loving obedience. Um, and to look like Christ in this world, we are to like Jesus, that there's some sort of, of level of, of like. I need to check this off. I need to check this off. I need to check this off. 
And I have to at least turn this one loaf of bread into enough to feed like 30 people, right? I don't know how to turn enough bread in to feed two people. There's a lot of this some sort of checklist. There's, there's no water into wine thing. You don't have to pull off any of that, but that we look like Jesus by being in a relationship with him, that God lives in us and we in him, and this love lives in us, that we could walk out the Father's will, and that way we'd be loving, and that we would show examples of a love that looks like as Christ did on this earth. We'll go to number five, because he loved us, because he first loved us. First John 4, 20 through 21, it says, I love God and, and hates. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother or sister whom he, has, whom he can see. That's a word jumble. Let me back up there. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he hasn't seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother and sister. There's no separation of that. If we love God, we love God's people. And that's what we want to look like, Grace Church. We want people to know that we are Christ-like. And when people say of Grace Church that, that we love God and we love God's people, right? That's our mission. That's why we do what we do, because we love God and we love people. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. This is in Matthew 22 when he's asked what the greatest commandment is. The greatest commandment is to love your Lord your God with some of your heart with some of your soul and with some of your mind? You guys are good. You know your Bible because it says to love the Lord the God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, right? And the second one is just like it. Love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. They, they go hand in hand with each other. Love the Lord, the God with everything that you have and love your neighbor just like that. Love, the, love your neighbor just as yourself, right? God flowing in and through us, we cannot help but love each other. And if we are having a problem with loving each other, if we're having a problem with that, then we need to go back to this understanding of what God's love is for us and fall back in love with God again and go back to God. Don't think that you can just muster this stuff up on your own. Don't think that that person needs to work himself into a place of deserving your love, right? But that we would understand that the love of God, um, has for us is that we're undeserving, that we've been forgiven, even though we didn't deserve it in the first place. Let's close with this, man. And I hope it hasn't been a word jumble this morning, but what I want you to get to the point is that, that God loves you so much. 
that he came down from heaven to show you love, that you be transformed into his likeness, right? His love for us. I was talking about this in the, in the room this morning about how good God is and that, that at one time in my life, I felt like I had this, this pastoral heart that I loved people and it didn't matter. It, it just, you know, I loved you and I would, I would do anything for you and I'd help you out in any type of way. But there came a certain point in my life where I felt like I, I, I got hurt and I got hurt by people and I, and I stepped away and I walked away from God and I didn't want to love people anymore because I didn't trust them and I, I didn't want to get hurt, right? And I feel myself coming back to this point. And it's probably a large part to do with my wife's preaching. She's online watching, so I, I got to give her that prop. But it's, it's a lot of God. God is softening my heart again because I'm going back to the definition of what his love is. Not what Brandon says it is. What I asked the, the worship team to do, and what I want you guys to do with me, I just want to sing one little line of this song. It's, oh, how he loves us. And it sounds interesting we say it like, oh, that's just a, that's just, just a filler word, that, that, that oh. Paul says, oh, to start off what is known as the doxicology. And he says, oh, oh. There's an expression, there's emotion behind this hook. And that we would just understand that even though how he loves us, oh, how he loves us. It's just absorbing and understanding the love that God has for us. So if you'll stand with your feet to me, we're going to sing this. Just think about that. Think about how God has loved you so in your junk, in your mess, when you didn't deserve it still loved when you were like me and you said God I don't I don't care what you say I'm gonna do it my way
maybe that's you. Maybe you're saying, I don't deserve God's love, but I want it. I don't yet know about this God that you're talking about this morning, Brandon. But I'm longing for that kind of relationship, for that kind of love, because I've never experienced anything that before in my life. And so I want to give you the opportunity. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son for us. And that's as simple as it is, is God. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for removing the junk from my life. And God, from this day forward, I will love you. And I'll make you the Lord of my life me if that's you this morning and you're saying that's what I want that's the one God I want to serve I want to serve that God of love just raise your hand with me and if you're saying you know what I have forgotten and I've gotten my definition of love out of line and I've made God's love my definition and I need to get back to that definition of what God says love is that should be every one of us almost God defines love. I don't get to define love. We need to come back into a right understanding of what love is. God, this morning, God, thank you for your message, God, for using a stumbling, stuttering fool like me. God, to proclaim your goodness, to proclaim your love. God, for those that have made the decision this morning, God, all heaven is rejoicing. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.